Who says tech can't be human? I think there is nothing wrong with people wanting to stay in their groove and in their sweet spot. I think everybody's sweet spot is different and it's up to you to know what it is that you want and know what it is you're actually asking for. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Hey everyone, it's me, Simone Biles. As a world champion gymnast and a former foster kid, I've faced my fair share of complexity, and I've learned that the concept of controlling complexity is about more than just overcoming our own hardships. It's about helping others overcome theirs too. After all, in the face of enormous complexity, the best not only find a way to adapt to the challenge, they also find a way to give back. From now until the end of the year, Axonius will make a donation to Friends of the Children for every demo completed. For more details and to sign up, go to axonius.com slash friends. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash friends. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Since the pandemic started, we've been living in a new world for the most part. And this new world sometimes consists of uncertain times. So what do we do when times are uncertain? Where can we go? What frameworks can we look at? Today, we'll be talking to an expert in leadership, but also someone that follows a framework that they recommend time and time again. And that framework is Rebel Leadership. And to kick this conversation off, our guest is Allison Manutillo. Allison is the president and owner at Rebel Interactive Group and also the host of Rebel Leadership Podcast. We were just on that podcast. We had a great time. We're so happy to have you on ours this time, Allison, and put you in the hot seat. But most importantly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are excited to have this conversation because leadership is, if not my favorite, Topic to talk about is definitely top three. My earliest memory of being a leader just happened from being told to do something mm-hmm. or volunteering to do something. And I didn't know that I would have a knack for leadership until I was put in that position. And then it became this natural thing that I began to cultivate. And then I found myself obsessed with good leaders. But what was that first memory for you when it came to leadership? When did you feel like, wow, there's something around leadership that really speaks to me and I want to pursue it even further? I had a really similar experience to that. Mine was almost the inverse, which was a little bit more of exposure to negative leaders and the leaders I didn't want to be and the way they made me feel at that time. It started opening my eyes to what all those concepts in college meant when they talked about leadership, that it was not about textbook, that it was not about theory, that it was not about all the things that you classically think leadership is all about. Those are all pieces of it, ethics, morals, values, vision, setting course for your company. But what it started to become clear to me was that the impact on the people and the change in culture that leaders could affect in the positive or the negative very quickly was the thing that actually made people feel fulfilled in their lives and in their jobs and in their careers. So it just sparked this curiosity that just started burning inside of me to absorb everything I could about 
what I was feeling at that time. Now I know that was a leader emerging, but back then it was a feeling that I just decided to pursue. During the start of my career, there was moments where I felt like a leader, but I didn't want to take on that word. I didn't want to take on that full responsibility. And in some situations, I imagine that there are many people in technology and many different industries that feel as though they're a leader, but they haven't really stepped into that leadership capacity that really anyone can have. What was the starting point for you where you didn't just say, I'm not just an individual contributor. I'm not just a worker. I'm not just a director maybe, but I'm also a leader. What went into that mindset shift for you? So mine was actually a moment replay as if it was yesterday. I decided to leave a company. I was there for many years. I was ascending towards the top and I didn't like what I saw at the top. And I knew that I needed a change because I was more negative than I normally would. I didn't like who I was becoming at work. I was starting gossip. It didn't feel like me. It didn't feel good. And so I started to pursue finding the right person that I could learn from and evolve who I was, not just what I was doing. So I actually took a step back. I took two title steps back and a $30,000 pay cut just to be happy. And it was a big risk. And in hindsight, not that big of a risk at all. But in the moment, with the culture we're living in now of raise, 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 more, 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 I need more salary, I need higher pay. It was worth it to me at that point to find joy and be at peace with who I was at work and what I was doing. And yes, I wanted a job I love, but I much more than that wanted to be happy. When I interviewed at Rebel at the time, I was interviewing for a director of content marketing and social media, which was a parallel to my industry that I was in at the time, but it wasn't my core skill set. So I scratched on all my experiences and had a great interview, but there was a moment in time in that interview where I met my now business partner, Bryn, and I knew that we were meant to work together. We just, we finished each other's sentences right in the beginning. We challenge each other's perspectives in the beginning. I was able to be myself in the beginning. The authenticity flowed, like all of that clicked right away. And in my mind, I was like, this is the person I want to work for. That was the first exposure to like real meaningful leadership. But the moment that it happened where I saw myself differently, we were actually on a plane ride out to a client in Denver, Colorado years ago. And it was only six months into me working here. And he said, tomorrow on the plane ride home, I want to talk about your future vis-a-vis -vis Rebel. So all night I was like up researching titles. I was so, <laughs> in my mind, I was so young. I'm researching titles. I was like, okay, maybe I could be CMO one day. Or I set my sights high, what I thought was high. And I start over talking to him because I was just so nervous on the plane ride home. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about you being my successor. I'm talking about you being the president of this company. And I instantly stopped everything I was saying and doing and everything became crystal clear. It was like, I couldn't force myself into all these other roles that I was telling myself were my max capacity until he said the word that was higher than all of those things. And it made sense instantly. So the short answer to your question in a long winded way is that someone else recognized something in me that had been there all along said it out loud. And I instantly believed that I could do that. 
You know what's really a travesty in the world that we live in today is that those stories, even though we tend to hear those stories a lot on our podcast, I think those experiences are few and far between because I do believe that leadership and the progression from being an individual contributor to management is a bit broken in a lot of places because the people that are awarded these positions of leadership are usually the technicians, the people that are most technical and can do the most work. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the great leader that's going to give you an experience like that to be able to see the potential in you and say, you are going to be my successor. From your perspective, how do we get ourselves in this situation where we're promoting people that do the good work, but that might not even be what they want to do? They might want to stay technical in cybersecurity. They might want to stay as a lawyer rather than leading lawyers. Where do you think we go wrong from that perspective? I don't think we talk about it enough, about how hard it is to be a leader, which is part of the mission on my podcast about rebel leadership is I had never found a resource that was vulnerable and authentic to say out loud what all the complexities and vulnerabilities are of being a leader. I think people need to really understand what it is they're asking for when they're asking for the next step. Because there are some days, to be honest with you guys, that I wish I had just a subject matter expertise job or a really junior job. It is hard. And it's not only hard work, at work, it's hard work on yourself and being honest with yourself. And it takes a lot of courage to go through this. So I think there is nothing wrong with people wanting to stay in their groove and in their sweet spot. I think everybody's sweet spot is different. And it's up to you to know what it is that you want and know what it is you're actually asking for. So I got to ask, what exactly is rebel leadership? When I think of a rebel as a whole, I think of someone that breaks the rules. And they're not just breaking the rules to break the rules, but they're breaking the rules because the rules no longer serve the good for them or the good of the people. But I would imagine maybe there's some similarity to that or differences when it comes to rebel leadership. I'd love to hear exactly what that is and how it relates back to your philosophies. Absolutely. So two sides to that story. One is the definition of rebel from our perspective. So what we have invested heavily in is extracting what that means for our rebels. We are exactly what you just said. It's not rebel for rebel's sake. It's that we're not good with the status quo. We're not okay with it, but we're not careless. We rebel with purpose. It's informed, it's data-backed, it's compelling, it's precise, but it's meaningful. It's because we care and we're passionate and we are not afraid to state what needs to be said. And in client services and marketing and digital marketing and consulting, all too many times are agencies just telling the client what the client wants to hear. And that's not why the client's coming to you, but the client likes hearing that. So it takes a lot of courage to say the thing that needs to be said but it forms the most meaningful relationship. So that's what we mean by rebels. Now, fast forward to rebel leadership. Meanwhile, while we're doing all this brand work, we're defining what it means to be a rebel. We're setting the vision for the company. I had started emerging as a leader. We're growing like crazy. We're making Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies list. Just all the successes that we were feeling from all the strategies that we employed. And I was on a client call and leaned into the hard conversation. No one wanted to deliver the news I had to deliver on this call. It was one of those awful, awkward calls that you build yourself up for. You're nervous. You got butterflies in your stomach and somebody's got to do it. 
On the back side of the call, my client texted me and she said, have you ever heard of the concept called rebel leadership? And I opened the article that she had sent me and it was written about by Harvard Business Review and there are books written about it. And it's an entire concept called rebel leadership that we now own the trademark to. And in it, they describe the eight principles of what it means to be a rebel leader. And all of the eight were how we were naturally leading. So it was this serendipitous aha moment of a concept that had been studied and researched and validated with our natural instincts and how that has driven our business growth. And at that moment in time, I run into Bryn's office, my business partner, tell him about it. And I was like, we have to talk about this. We have to write blogs. We have to go on speaker series. I was, my mind was racing about how do we lean into this concept? Cause it's so important to who we are. And he looked at me and he said, this is your podcast. <laughs> and that's how it started. If you or your team is considering a strong partner to help with pen testing, check out NetSpy. For over 20 years, NetSpy has offered the most comprehensive suite of offensive security solutions, attack surface management, penetration testing as a service, and breach and attack simulation. Visit netspy.com forward slash HBM to learn more. That's netspi.com forward slash HBM. Thank you, NetSpy, for sponsoring this episode. Could you tell us a little bit about the tenets of rebel leadership? What is it about rebel leadership that makes it different than the normal leadership that people think about today? I think it's the authenticity is the biggest thing. There are eight principles and it's about digging in the trenches with your people and doing unexpected, like not just floating around at the top. But the biggest part of it to me is the vulnerability to say the things that are going on in a leader's mind. It's basically the storytelling that we were talking about when you were my guests and having the courage to say that you don't have all the answers and being rebellious just in the approach that many leaders I was beyond, I was around that I didn't like what I saw. I would oftentimes find myself sitting in this room of, is this a joke? Do you really think we believe what you just said? It's almost like you look behind and you're like, are we on candid camera? What? That's not what you really think. Why, why are you so nervous about saying what you really think? But saying it in a professional, fact-driven way. So that authenticity and that trueness to yourself, it starts to show real leaders that people follow because they are following the authentic ones. They are following the ones that have clear visions that are communicated well and reinforced daily in their, not only in their words, but in their actions. And if you want a culture to be honest and courageous, then you better be honest and courageous if you're in the responsibility of a leader. Yes, you definitely have to be. And not only do you have to be honest and courageous, but you have to put yourself in this situation where you're always learning. When we first spoke, I mentioned that I look at cybersecurity practitioners and technologists as mental athletes with no off season. And right when I said that, there was like this light bulb mm -hmm. that went off in your mind as well. And you were like, that is leaders. Leaders are exactly that. They're mental athletes with no off season. You're constantly having to adjust and also be honest while you're adjusting as well. But I would love to hear a bit more as to why that really rung true for you, being that mentally athlete with no off season. Because I've never done anything as hard as this. <laughs> 
When you said mental athletes with no off season, that is exactly what it feels like every day. At the end of every day, you are just drained. You're mentally exhausted because you're trying to empathize with the people, listen to the people around you. You're constantly faced with adversity. You're constantly faced with the hardest decisions. There is nowhere to go but up. So all of those hard decisions that other people need your advice on go up to you. And it's this constant sea of chaos that you must be the calm. And in order to be the calm, you need to really work on your skill set, which is where I equated to the athlete piece of it. And if you ever stop working on yourself or you ever stop training to be a leader, you are no longer leading. I think that's exactly it. And the reason I think that's exactly it is I kind of look at myself as like this piece of work that's just never going to be complete. And what I've been doing over years is taking little tools, little tips, little tactics, and I'm putting them in my tool belt. I remember, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I remember there was a situation not very long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, where I was leading someone. And the way I led is how I wanted to be led. They talk about the golden rule of leadership, and then they talk about the platinum rule, which is leading people how they want to be led. I thought I could just lead everybody and give them freedom. Free reign, do your best work. I'm going to stay out of your way and just provide you context. But that doesn't work for everybody. Some people are more collaborative. They want more guidance. They want more mentorship. That was a huge learning for me because I felt like I was failing that person by leading them how I wanted to be led. And then I realized, of course, I have to change my tactics for every individual person, which adds to that mental athlete with no offseason. Because now you're like, okay, I have to behave this way with this person. I have to behave this way with this person. What are some of the tenets that you've learned over the years about dealing with different people and how they want to be led? It's such an interesting question because I struggle with that every day. And what I've found on my journey is that there were some points in time where I was doing that too much. I was changing my style too much to speak to the people and I was losing sight of what is my style of leading. And as soon as I really understood what that style was and started being unapologetic about being that person, everything started to take off. I'll give you an example. I just came from our, we have 103 employees now, We just came from our agency-wide town hall and we're all in the same room again. It's awesome. The vibe is really good. But Bryn and I played 10-minute long video that was an old Navy SEAL captain and he's speaking commencement speech. And it was about 10, I'm sure you guys have seen it, your military backgrounds, but the 10 things, lessons that he learned from Navy SEAL training. It's a super famous viral video. But we played it at the town hall and I'm expecting that half of the people in the room may not have had any context about like, why are they playing this at this marketing agency town hall? Why? And before I had the experience I have now, I would have been crippled by that, wanting to please everybody and not wanting to put myself out there. And how are people going to take it? Blah, blah, blah. And overthinking. But now we lean into that stuff because that's the stuff that changes cultures. That's the stuff that ignites organizations. But for the 50% that did resonate with it, because they've lived through some hard times and they took inspiration from that video and the conversation that ensued after with their peers, that's the stuff that matters. And so by finding just that one example, it's knowing your style and knowing what's good for everybody around you, even if they don't 
know that they need it. That's leadership. I got to ask, you are the owner of Rebel Interactive Group now, and you've worked your way up the ladder at other organizations. You are now the owner at this organization. And I would imagine that you have a good circle of mentors, a good circle of leaders around you. Who do you draw from inspiration now that you are leading your entire company? I do. So I draw from a lot of different places. I am an avid podcast listener. My favorite, current favorite is Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. She's excellent. I draw from the people around me that I surround myself with, our senior leadership team. There's just fantastic people that are mentors. I draw from my past mentors that I still keep very close touch with. And they're the ones who listen to the podcast and send me a text when they can hear my tones off or I need to hear something that I didn't realize I needed to hear. And a lot of the inspiration and motivation to be that mental athlete comes from taking time off to do the things that I need to do to refuel me. So for me personally, that's running and playing golf, although kids really just throw a wrench into the whole golf thing. (laughs) Um, But recently I had been going through a really tough year. We had a really, really hard year of leadership learnings. And as amazing as it was, it was just very hard. And I decided to commit to myself and I signed up for the Hartford half marathon and just completed it in 20 minutes under my goal time. And that to me was a refuel and an inspiration because that's when I listen to books and read and just really get myself out of the day to day to then be that student of leadership that helps me to be the leader that everybody needs me to be here. I think you're bringing up a huge point, which is this idea of balance. And there's a lot of the hustle and grind sort of thing out there in social media, like, oh, if you're sleeping, you're losing, that type of thing. But I do think that there is a sharpness that happens when you have something that's completely separate from the work that you do from a day to day, something that centers you, grounds you, whether it's children or running or martial arts or lifting weights, whatever it is. What do you say to those leaders, they take it as almost being a martyr. I'm going to just work until I can't work anymore. What do you say to those leaders? How do you entice them to pick up a hobby or take something else that's going to help center them? I think it takes this moment of reflection that no one else can tell you that stuff is important, but you. And I just started recognizing through the help of my husband pointing it out and the people who really care most about your health and your mental health listening to what they're saying, of doing that next to-do list on your couch at 1030 when you're spent and you're drained is not going to make you the leader you want to be tomorrow. It's going to make you be frustrated and tired and not able to perform at this high level the next day. So do what you need to do to preserve you and then tackle the thing when you can. And so when you have people that you can have those hard conversations with and also be real with yourself. If you're just telling yourself lies, you're never going to get there. But if you're telling yourself the truth of, okay, ugh, I was being a martyr today or I was gossipy today or I handled things, I was quick. I was too short with people. I didn't like what I saw. What's going on in your world? Have you worked out in the last week? Have you eaten lunch Have you gotten up from your desk? Are you just invested in your email? You just have to take this, at least what I've found, you've got to take the time to listen to your body and listen to your mind of what that person you need 
to be the leader everybody needs you to be. I'm glad you brought that up because I find myself in this situation all the time where I'm listening to myself. I'm really drawing on my intuition, but there are also times where I have to pull myself out of what my mind is telling me because it's also an echo chamber. How do you start to differentiate the good advice from maybe the not so good advice that's being generated from within? Oof, so hard. (laughs) It's such a good question because I don't have it figured out, to be honest with you. One thing I learned early on, which is just a tactical thing, is do not read reviews. So obviously there's like things like Glassdoor and Google reviews and all this stuff. But it's just like celebrities reading social media comments. There's nothing good that can come from that. There's things that are easy to shut out. So that's one thing that I learned early on, just shut it out because they don't understand. They cannot possibly understand the context of your decision-making or all the things and the emotions and the effort that goes into leadership. So don't listen to those voices. But the hardest ones for me to process are the ones where the feedback is coming from the people that are closest to you. And when it's harsh criticism, that's the stuff that takes you down. And that's when grit and will come in. Those moments of like, you're at the bottom of the barrel. Do you believe in you? Are you going to choose to believe in yourself or are you going to choose to believe the comments? Look yourself in the mirror, slap yourself on the face and pick yourself up, go get it. What do you really want and what do you really believe? For me, that's the only way that I've been able to battle through the really, really hard days. And there have been only a handful of those, those ones where that comes into question. But you can get through all of that stuff and shut things out and put it into context, but only if you truly believe that you can. Powerful. Believe in yourself. And that's really a huge part of being a leader and even making the decision to become a leader. And I'm sure there are people that are listening right now that they have a decision to make. They have this opportunity at hand to become a leader, but maybe that means they have to let go of the specialization that they've cultivated over an entire career. What structure or framework do you have for anyone out there that's listening that is making that decision? Do I want to lead people or do I want to continue to be an individual contributor in this thing that I've been doing my entire career? It's a hard one because I constantly see people struggling with this piece. They're attaching their value to the thing that they produce and not the impact that they have. And so maybe that value of the thing that you produce has great impact and that is fulfilling to you. And that's why you choose to stay as a subject matter expert and it lights you up and it fills your cup and you feel really good about the impact that you're having. Honestly, we need more of those people in this world. So it's not a bad thing to be that person. When it comes to leadership and you're going through this transition of like, you got to where you were because you were the brightest person in the room. You were the subject matter expert. You were super strategic and tactical. You could move mountains with the work that you were doing. When there's an opportunity for leadership presented and they start to see that when they can get other people to be that person and when they can lift up the team around them just through their words, they don't have to do it themselves. That is a different level of fulfillment. And so what I've seen and what I've felt personally is that if you are tapped into what your body and mind are telling you about how things feel 
as a result. And you are constantly reflecting at the end of every day. Okay, how would that day feel? Why did it feel like that? Did I feel amazing in that team meeting? Why did you feel that way? Because things were clicking for other people and they were starting to repeat the things we had been talking about and the light bulb clicked and they had the hard conversation, whereas before it would all be on you. Those were the things in my journey that just felt so deeply fulfilling on a different level than I had ever found being the subject matter expertise. Whereas if you are that subject matter expertise and you do feel that fulfillment each day and you're reflecting and I am in my groove, then stay that course. Love that. Stay on course and also be mindful with yourself because there's just so much that you can ask yourself at the end of the day that could lead to that aha moment or your next plan of attack. Allison, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to jump on the mics with us. For anyone that wants to stay up to date with Allison and all the great things that she's doing with Rebel and Rebel Leadership, be sure to check out the show notes wherever you're listening. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. 